0: The other day I stepped into my neighborhood pharmacy and was startled to see that it was full of Easter stuff. The Easter bunnies have already taken over. For a wild moment I thought like Alice I felt like Alice in Wonderland, disoriented. Where am I? When is this? But of course, why was I startled? When will I learn? <laughs> the money monster who rules America got fat at Christmas and is not about to pass up an opportunity to seize our most sacred season, tear out its heart, hollow out its content, and transmute our most costly jewel into a plastic trinket. So the question for us is, will we, as his disciples, dance to the money music, avoid the wilderness of Lent, Circle around the cross and hop right onto the bunny trail. Your presence here tonight says, No, we will go through the wilderness of Lent so that when Holy Week comes, we will be in condition to walk with Jesus every step of the way from Monday, Thursday through that terrible Friday to that Saturday of silence when Jesus is not in the world. And finally, to the glorious Easter. So on Ash Wednesday, we stand at the edge of the desert. Now, the text said wilderness. So I need to explain that I have spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest. And when you say wilderness to me, I am likely to envision tall trees, uh, leafy ferns, sparkling mountain lakes, and be looking for an elk. But for people who lived in Bible lands, the wilderness was the desert, which for me is desolate, has a kind of fearsome beauty about it, and is inhabited by weird slithering creatures. The Bible records various desert experiences. Elijah crashes, praying to die. John the baptizer lives in the desert till he comes roaring out to the Jordan, shouting, Repent! And then, of course, as we heard in our gospel lesson, our Lord himself, principally. But perhaps the desert trek most like our lives is in the Old Testament, the Israelites coming out of Egypt in the book of Exodus. They have been slaves in Egypt and now God delivers them and they are his chosen and now they are free. They are free to become what he's called them to be, the holy people of God. And they're headed for the promised land. Now, why? Not because they deserved it. Not because they were mighty and powerful, talented and bright. Not at all. We are told time after time, and they were told time and time, time after time, this from the book of Deuteronomy the Lord delivered you because he loved you. That's it. That chosen f- people free by the urgent, passionate, furious love of God. Through Christ, that same love delivers you and me from sin and death. In Christ, we're free. We're in the kingdom of light. We've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. So we don't go through Lent in a wistful hope that somehow we'll be- get good enough so that God will love us. Not at all. That is done. In Christ, we are saved. We are in the kingdom. God has chosen us. We are free now. We are free to be what we were called to be, the holy people of God. And we have a destination, like the Israelites. But we're not there yet, in case you haven't noticed. We're in a desert. In Lent, we choose to live that truth, deliberately stepping into the scary wasteland. Because we are still learning to be the holy people of God. And God leads us into and through the desert. Not for punishment... But because it's a good place to be Now if you know your Bible You may very well be thinking uh, I don't think so They wandered around a a lot uh, And went through some pretty tough stuff Well that wasn't because God lost track of them (laughs) Guess who lost track of whom? Our walk is probably not a straight path either the other night, I got a message on my computer, a big sign, you have lost connectivity. <laughs> that strikes terror into one's heart. Um, to, lo- to lose connectivity? So to get reconnected, I had to push the reset button, which I first had to find. And finally, reboot. That's what Lent is for, friends. Reset. Reboot. Reboot. Our connectivity With God So how do we do it? First Simplify Have you ever noticed That people who travel a lot Travel light They don't even put the L-Y On the end of the word (laughs) The more you travel The more you discover That you don't really need All that stuff And so The first question for Lent is, what can I unload? What do I need to pitch so that I can stand up straight, see where I am, take a deep breath, enjoy the adventure, and hang in there to the end? I have no idea about how you're going to simplify. That's up to you and God. But let me ramble on about some possibilities to get our minds going. You see, the people of God have always had the same command. You shall have no other gods beside me. And therefore, the temptation has always been the same, to make an idol out of something which is not God. Now, the only thing that changes are the costumes and the weather and the uh, surroundings. For example, I am not going to scratch you with my quill pen. But it's the same temptation in every age and so i wanted to suggest that we okay here's here's a principle that I, that works for me and it may work for you jesus is my lord so if anything else is controlling me that is sinful and i've got to get that thing under control or get rid of it whatever anything else Okay, traditionally, fasting is what you do during Lent. Food? Sure. But our slavery may not be to food. We have other masters. The calendar. The appointment book. Work. In America, we admire and reward workaholics. Technology. It's great. I love it. But it's supposed to serve us, not control us. We can be addicted to our cell phones, our video games, our Facebook. Now, those things are all neutral in themselves, but you know as well as I do, and we have seen lately especially what terrible destruction can be done by sinful use of the web. Have you ever really calculated the amount of time you spend with these things on these addictions? There's a website called Sporkle. And I started going on Sporkle. It has thousands of quizzes on every possible subject except classical music. I think I'm going to have to write that one myself. But anyway, I started going on Sporkle because I enjoyed doing the quizzes, but also I wanted to keep my mind sharp and ward off Alzheimer's. A worthy goal, I'm sure you'll agree. But one day I realized that I was addicted to sporkle (laughs) I could play endlessly No matter what was going on around me What needed to be done around me The calls I needed to make and uh, Whatever I was addicted to sporkle I had to discipline myself to shut that thing down And if you think addiction is too strong a word, try quitting. (laughs) Try quitting whatever you think you're not addicted to. For people, I know how hard it is. For people in ministry, Sunday is not Sabbath. Yet Sabbath observance is not a suggestion from God. It's commandment. For me, it's a constant struggle. During the week, I have to declare Sabbath. And when I do, I don't turn on the TV, I don't answer the phone, and I don't turn on my computer. And that is hard. And the fact that it's hard tells me what a hold these things have on me. I need to fast from them. What about you? By the way, how's your Sabbath observance coming? Is there anything you need to fast from? Alcohol, food, chocolate? Or how about something less obvious? Fast from sarcasm. Fast from criticizing. Fast from trash talk. Fast from whining. Do you know the reason research shows that whenever you speak hard words to somebody, you yell at them or you insult them or you bully them verbally or something like that, that actually has a destructive physical effect on the person's brain? It damages the person's brain. Or how about pornography? That's a big problem. It's so easy. You don't have to put on a trench coat and pull your hat down over your eyes and drive out of town. It's right there on the computer screen. So alluring and so quickly escalating. Any addiction is an idol. And we're all vulnerable. So let's each ask God to show us what we need to unload on our Linton Desert Trek. Simplify. Secondly, think pilgrimage. A pilgrim is a person traveling to a destination. We have a destination. Our destination for Lent is Easter. So what shall we put into our pilgrim pack? What shall we take with us? Well, I would think the Ascension devotion booklet would be a good start. And also, Father Millard has put in the last ascent a a Bible quiz... And it seems to me that if you didn't do well on the quiz, and by that I mean 100%, you might want to work on that and then stun him with your knowledge someday. That's one thing that, that you could carry that in your pilgrim pack. Or it may be that you've always intended to memorize scripture and sort of never got around to it. You could put some scripture verses into your pilgrim pack and make that a part of your pilgrim walk during Lent. Prayer. Study silence, solitude? Would you risk trying 20 minutes a day with Jesus, just you and him? He's your best friend. Could you try 20 minutes a day? It won't happen unless you commit to it. Let the desert be a place where we're engulfed in the law, love of God. Isn't that what we really want? What could be better? We want to be single-hearted. We want to be high-hearted and focused on and with in God. With that goal, we're not going to. We won't wander. And we have the oases of worship and sacrament. Simplify. Think pilgrimage. Repent. Have you noticed that sin has dropped out of the language? Some adulterous politician comes on TV and says, I made a mistake. A ruthless financier ruins thousands of people's lives and he comes on TV and says, I made an error in judgment. A mother kills both her kids, and she comes on sobbing and says, I'm not a bad person. We're in massive denial. Let's get real. We sin. John the baptizer called us to repent. Jesus called us to repent, and the church calls us to repent. Now, repentance does not mean wallowing in self-hatred. Or deciding that you're so rotten, God hates you. That's not it at all. It's just the opposite. Repentance means that we name it, name the sin, and then turn around and quit wandering and get right on the path again. How about that? Repentance is not a punishment, friends. It's a blessing. Otherwise, how would we get clean again? How else could we face God and pray our Father? How else can God pick us up and dust us off and set it on our feet again? The scripture says, if we deny that we've sinned, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. We have fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus says in John 17 that he gives us the indwelling glory so that we share the glory of Christ and the Father. Is that wonderful? That's why repentance is good news. Simplify, think pilgrimage, repent. That's how to make the desert journey. But in all honesty, I have to warn you, the desert may become a place of temptation. Look what happened to Jesus Ironically, when we most want to be holy, we are most vulnerable to temptation. Satan doesn't want us hanging out with God, being different from other people, and being serious about being a disciple. So here's where we need to grasp and hang on to the ultimate truth about the desert. It doesn't look attractive— but it's our escape place. It's the place of encounter and of grace. In the desert, we experience God's grace because he loves us with an everlasting love. Remember, we're heading for Easter. Well, the one whom passionately we wish to meet on Easter can't wait to be with us. He comes to the desert to meet us. Like the father of the two sons in the great parable, do you remember that? The father runs out to meet them. Our Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much he can't wait to meet us and so he comes into the desert and he inhabits the desert with us. That's why it's a good place to be. In simplicity, we encounter him. In the pilgrim journey, we encounter him. In repentance, we encounter him. He is in the driest desert to renew and refresh us with the water of life. In the desert, our soul feasts and stones are turned to bread. Amen.